0: Thank you very much. Great, very much, Dave. I'm going to put this up just a little bit because my eyesight's not good enough. It's brave, isn't it? (laughs) Thank you. Okay, over the last couple of months, we've spent some time, uh, as Dave said, looking at the book of Acts, and uh, we've now moved on to this new series. Um, And during our previous series, we've discussed... Uh, All sorts of ways in which the Holy Spirit was at work in order that the kingdom of God would be advanced uh, right during the the days, the, the very early days of the church. And the various events that we looked at during that series were meticulously recorded by one particular man, the historian whose name was Luke. And so for this morning, I would like us to continue to look at the writings of that particular man. Uh, As we think about the subject of knowing Jesus, I'd love us to look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, reading from verse 11. So Luke 17, verse 11. And so we have, we're coming towards the end of the biography of Jesus as recorded by Luke. At this point in Luke's story, Jesus is heading towards the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And as he heads towards the city of Jerusalem, he knows that this is the place where he will face his death. He will die in this place. He will die on the cross for the sins of the world. As he travels to Jerusalem, he is completely aware that that is is what's going to happen. The The whole storm has been brewing and now... We're heading in that direction. And we pick up the story in verse 11 of chapter 17. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So here we meet a group of people who are suffering from this disease called leprosy. Now, the meaning of, the, of leprosy in the Bible would have been slightly different to our modern understanding of it. The phrase leprosy would, at that time, have covered a variety of different infectious diseases, uh, skin diseases. Uh, but would also have included leprosy itself, which is now known in modern medicine as Hansen's disease. This disease uh, is spread by multiple skin contacts. The symptoms start in the skin and the nervous system and spread to other parts such as hands, feet, face, Uh, and uh, it causes disfigurement of the skin and the bones of a person, It twists the limbs, it changes facial features. The Old Testament instructed that if anyone was suspected of having this disease, they should go and show themselves to the priest for examination. So they would go and the priest would examine them to see whether they had leprosy. If they were found to be infected, they would then be told and instructed to live apart from the community and they would be regarded as physically and spiritually unclean they would be separated from the community because of the danger of infection as the people understood it at the time and so therefore they would be separated and here we see jesus encountering these 10 men who were suffering from this horrific condition now the issue was to do with health but it was also to do with social stigma and rejection and separation from the community And so we can understand why it says they stand a distance away from Jesus. And in the context of the Old Testament provisions and requirements, we can understand why Jesus then sends them to the priest for examination. But before Jesus sends them to the priest, what they say to Jesus is really important. And I want us to Get this. As we talk about knowing Jesus, this is a really important point for today. They say, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. They use this word, Master. And in the original Greek that Luke was writing in when he wrote this biography of Jesus, in that original Greek, the word used there that we have translated in English, Master, had a much more powerful and significant meaning to it. It it means commander. It means someone with immense authority and power. And so these men were demonstrating faith. They, They had faith as they came to Jesus that he had immense authority and power over their sickness. Now, there are two key ingredients I would like to speak about this morning in the context and underneath the theme of knowing Jesus, and this is the first one, and it's simply this, faith. Now, we don't know for sure how much faith these these men had. They were each suffering from this terrible skin disease. I would suspect that It's very interesting what uh, David prophesied. I suspect that the circumstances of their condition and of their illness caused their faith to be small. It's very interesting what what, um, Derek brought, that sense that you only need to make that first step. They came to Jesus whilst this illness was ravaging and destroying their bodies whilst this illness was eating away at their flesh. Maybe they wouldn't have had much faith. How how much faith would you have had in that circumstance? Maybe they just had a tiny bit of faith. But let me say this. They were desperate. And in their desperation, they called out To Jesus. They had enough faith to call out to Jesus. Can I say to you, it takes faith to call out to Jesus. It takes faith to call out to Jesus when you've never called out to Him before. It takes faith to call out to Jesus for healing. You may only have a tiny bit of faith. You may only have a mustard seed of faith, but when we say to Jesus, please come, when we say to Jesus, please heal me, we are acting, we are demonstrating, we are calling out in faith. These guys acted in faith. They called out in faith, and they acted in faith. How did they act in faith? Well, Jesus told them, go and show yourselves to the priest, and here's the thing. This is what happened. It says as we look carefully at this account it says as they went they were healed they weren't healed before they left Jesus they were they were going to the priest as they were going to the priest then they were healed somewhere on the journey they were healed I think that's a really interesting point. Somewhere on the journey, we don't know how far. They may have taken a few steps. They may have walked a few yards. They may have walked half a mile. We don't know. But on the way somewhere, they were healed. So when it comes to knowing Jesus, it's important that we demonstrate our faith by calling out to Him. But it's also important that we demonstrate our faith through our actions. If we know Jesus, we do what He says. You might say, wait a minute. Some people in this room are saying, why should we do what He says? If we know Jesus, we will do what He says. If you're in this place today and you're saying, well, I don't know Him. So I understand you're coming from a different place what I would suggest to you is that when we know Jesus, we do what he says. Why would we do that? Because he knows best. Because he knows best. And his instructions for us are always, always, always for our good. And this is at the very heart of our faith. See, knowing Jesus is the vital thing. When Jesus died on the cross, he met our greatest need, our need to be accepted by God, our need to be forgiven by God. And as he paid the price for our sin, at that point, the gates of heaven were flung open wide, and every opportunity was given to us to receive eternal life. And that opportunity, and that opportunity is fulfilled when we come to know Jesus. The cure for sin is found in knowing Jesus. These ten lepers, they call out to God. They call out to Jesus. That's the first thing they do. They call out to Jesus in faith. They call out to Jesus. Then they follow what Jesus said. As we recognize our spiritual need, we call out to Jesus. As we recognize our need of God we then call out to Jesus. But then, as we begin to realize that actually He knows best, that actually He has great plans and purposes for us, then we begin to follow His instructions for our lives. And so we acknowledge that Jesus is not only Savior, He is Lord. So as we call out to Jesus, please rescue me, we acknowledge that He's Savior, And as we act based on His instructions, we acknowledge that He is Lord. And this is all about faith, this vital ingredient when it comes to knowing Jesus. I'm always looking for new ways of illustrating my talk. Uh, Some of them are more creative than others. Some of them are more amusing than others. Some of them fall a bit flat, you know. I'm always looking for various illustrations. And when it comes to the issue of knowing Jesus as Savior and Lord, I believe today I have found a spectacular illustration. (laughs) This illustration is the story of a young woman. But... I'm not going to tell that story. She is. Why, well, it's like panto season, eh? Huh? In this church, we baptize people as they come to a living faith in Jesus. We see in the Bible that baptism was a public event, it is a public demonstration of faith. And it was by full immersion, they go right under the water. Here's the baptismal pool for us. As baptized people go under the water, it's a symbolic demonstration, a powerful demonstration of the fact that they go right under the water, they've put to death their old life, their life without God, and then as they rise up out of the water, it's a recognition that they're born again, that they're a new creation, that they've started a brand new life with God right at the very center of it. And so it's a public, today what we're doing is we're, we're doing a public physical demonstration of what's already happened within someone's heart. Today we are delighted that Jess Maiden is coming to be baptized. Jess has been coming along to this church with her family for a number of years, but more recently, I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, I'm not going to steal your thunder, Jess, I promise, but more recently she has come alive in her faith. And so, with this backdrop of knowing Jesus as Savior and Lord, I'm going to ask Jess to come and share now. And I want to ask you, Lot, to welcome her as she comes and shares her story of what God's done in her life. Jess, please come. Let's welcome her, shall we?
1: So I was born into a Christian family and have attended church regularly throughout my life. So I've always somewhat believed in God and considered myself a Christian. But I never truly understood what it meant to love Christ. And I ultimately believed in God because it was a comforting thought to believe there was an afterlife in heaven. Therefore, my previous attitude towards God was more out of fear rather than accepting that he is a loving God and offered me eternal life through Jesus' sacrificial death. As I got older... I ended up putting religion at the bottom of my priorities and tried to avoid it altogether. I struggled to tell my friends I had a religious upbringing and therefore tried to avoid this topic whenever it came up. Nonetheless, even though I'd lost interest in God, I didn't hesitate to pray and call upon God's name whenever I was worried. But again, this was more of a comforting thought. I didn't understand what it meant to have a relationship with Christ and thought there was nothing more to it than believing there was a distant God. Last year, I repeatedly sensed God trying to reach out to me, either through songs, Bible passages, and sometimes people. On New Year's Day, my mum looked at her calendar, which has Bible verses on each date, and she read the one on my birthday, which said, Seek first the kingdom of God. So, naturally, I made this my mission. I began researching all my questions that I'd built up over the years about God, and overall concluded that it would be way too much hassle to follow him and probably make my life a lot worse. Nonetheless... I couldn't seem to turn away from all these words I'd read, and I desperately wanted to know more. I feared the consequences of turning away from God, but I also didn't want to abide by the seemingly endless list of rules and change my lifestyle. However, a few weeks later, I was at home sitting on my bedroom floor, and I just felt so consumed by my sin and shame, and I turned desperately to God. I felt God's overwhelming love, and that was the moment I began my relationship with Christ, and God was now in my life for real. I knew then that I wanted to follow God. I continued spending ages researching everything and anything about God and reading Bible passages. I was unsure what to do and where to go from here with my newfound relationship with Jesus, but everything in my life began to change. The rules I believed that God has set out to make my life more complicated turned out to be things that changed my life for the better. God has persistently helped me fight many internal battles and overcome many challenges in my life. My faith had turned from believing in God out of fear to having a relationship with Jesus and accepting the overwhelming, incredible truth that Jesus died on the cross so we could have eternal life with him, and all we have to do is accept him as our Lord and Savior. God has used many situations in my life to test me and has shaped me into a stronger Christian with his gracious and selfless blessings so ultimately I can develop a deeper relationship with him. Last year, I decided it would be a good idea to attend Soul Survivor to help strengthen my relationship with Jesus further. It was a great experience and was incredible to see so many people alive in the spirit of Jesus and glorifying our Savior. Being in a friendship group at college with so many people opposed to God is difficult, but since Jesus has entered my life, I've had the courage to share my faith with them and strongly encourage them to consider the word of God in hope they'll be able to share his glory. Today, I've decided to get baptized because I know God has been encouraging me to for a while. I know I'm completely imperfect, but Christ died on the cross for me in perfect love, so all of my sins can be forgiven and washed away. So today I'm ready to get baptized in public declaration of my faith for the one who died on the cross for me, the one who loves me unconditionally, and the one who has saved me.
0: Brilliant, brilliant, Jess. Thank you so, so much. Uh, It's an incredible story of God's grace in her life. We are going to immediately uh, baptize Jess now. So I'm going to ask her to get into the pool along with her dad, Giles, and her youth leader, Becky. Uh, These guys are going to baptize her. So um, no one's keen to test the pool first. Someone's got to go. Come on, Jess. She hasn't run out, so there's hope. Come right to the front. Nice and warm was the words that Becky used. Giles has said nothing. (laughs) So uh, we're going to ask Dad to go first. Uh, So, Giles, you share what you'd like to with your daughter. Okay, thank you. I'll hold
2: it. Uh, Jess, in the last few years or so, you've... um, been faced with some challenging decisions to make in your life about your future. And I know you've thought long and hard about them. However, you've made the most important decision of your life, and in fact for eternity, that is to ultimately put your trust in and to follow the Lord Jesus, a decision that fills me and Libby with joy. So as you grow in your faith and whatever life brings, you have the firm rock of the Lord to stand on. Uh, When I knew you were getting baptised, this verse came to me straight away. It's from uh, Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing.
0: Brilliant. And so now Becky is going to encourage Jess and then actually lead us. As we baptize her.
3: Um, yeah, it's really, really exciting to to be in this pool with you, Justin, to to baptize you. And when you shared your testimony. Um, with me I was just so excited to read it about how much like the gospel has captured your heart and Jesus has just swept you off of your feet and and you've really discovered the savior's love for you so it's amazing to hear you get up there and preach that out here <laughs> um, and I just really believe that God has got an incredible adventure for your life that's starting yeah. in this place right now um, and uh, I felt drawn to a passage in 2 Peter uh, 1 3 to 11 which I've written down for you I'm not going to read the whole thing here because it's a bit long but just just one verse of it is his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness?
0: Brilliant. We would love for people to greet Jess out of the pool. So if there are friends and family who'd like to come and stand uh, at the back of the pool there, we would love you guys to come to encourage her, to pray for her, uh, just to give her a hug, whatever is appropriate. And there may be other people from different parts of the church. These guys are coming from various places. Do come and encourage Jess as Becky now leads us. Uh, Once we've um, baptized Jess, Helen and the team are going to lead us. We're just going to go back into worship briefly. Uh, We're going to sing the song that Jess has particularly chosen as a song which is very meaningful to her. And then we're going to sing another song of worship just to give time for these guys to pray. Uh, And then I'm afraid to say I'm not quite finished yet. I'm then going to come back and uh, conclude my sermon. But uh, for now, let's uh, get on and baptize this lady.
3: So, Jess, on profession of your faith, I'm delighted to baptize you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. Our declaration of faith in you. The wonderful reality of your life, your death, your resurrection, your ascension into heaven, the sending of your Holy Spirit, the building of your church, your eternal purposes for this uh, world and for us as your people. We thank you. We thank you that we share with Jess in all of the wonderful realities of salvation and eternity as we come to know you. We say thank you for the wonderful opportunity of faith in Jesus name. Amen. Let's take our seats. Thank you so much to Helen and the team and thank you so much to Jess who's probably not quite back yet because she might be doing things with her hair. So whereas Giles has done all the things he needs to do with his hair, uh, which is great. I'm glad about that Giles. Uh, go back to the story in Luke's gospel. Incidentally, can I just apologize before we go any further? I want to apologize that I left my mic on whilst the singing was happening. So, I looked around and two of my very good friends, Jen and Ian were crying with laughter. I thought, why are they laughing? And then they just said, you've left your mic on. So, I mean... You know, I love music and I love listening to music. I even love writing music, but I can't sing. So, you know, in fact, in fact, if I'm singing at home, Helen will go out and do some gardening, um, in order that the neighbours don't think there's some level of domestic abuse occurring. So, you know, so, so. Let's go back to the story in Luke's Gospel, shall we? So far, we've discussed the fact that these 10 men, they were consumed by this disease, and they came in their desperation, and they had enough faith to call out to God, to call out to Jesus. It's interesting, isn't it? Jess, in her testimony, mentioned that she felt consumed as well, consumed by her sin, and her shame, and she turned in her desperation and desperately called out to Jesus. These men then acted in faith by doing what Jesus had instructed them to do. They went to show themselves to the priest, and as they went, they were cleansed, they were healed. Jess acted in faith as she committed her life to Christ, decided to follow him, then she experienced the overwhelming uh, love, and, and she knew, to quote her, that he was in her life for real. And then, of course, today, she has again acted in faith and obedience to Jesus by doing what he said, by being baptized. And so we pick up the story from Luke 17, verse 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. The first point under this overarching theme of knowing Jesus that I wanted to make was about faith. We've discussed the faith of these men who are suffering from leprosy. We've heard in incredibly moving terms about the faith of this young lady who's been baptized today. The second point I want to mention as we talk about knowing Jesus is this, gratitude. I believe that came across in in what Jess had to say as well. I quote her quote Jess, I know I am completely imperfect, but Christ died on the cross for me in perfect love so that all of my sins can be forgiven and washed away. That speaks of a grateful heart. And this passage in Luke's gospel, we see very clearly the gratitude of this one particular man, having been cured from this terrible condition, this man's life is then completely transformed. And his response is to shout with joy and to fall down at the feet of Jesus. The commentator Tom Wright in his study of Luke's gospel says this, which then is the most surprising? The fact that one person came back, shouted for joy, and fell down at at Jesus' feet, or the fact that nine didn't? Let's remember that this man was not a Jew, he was a Samaritan. Let's also remember that the the priests and the Pharisees, the, the religious authorities, they were by this time opposed to Jesus. They were out to get him, they saw him as a marked man. And so maybe the other nine who were Jews, they went to the priest but they didn't want to go back to Jesus. They were afraid to go back to Jesus. They didn't want to identify themselves with this itinerant renegade preacher in the minds of the Jewish authorities. Luke doesn't say that the other nine were any less healed, but he does imply that they were less grateful. And I believe there's a lesson for us here about gratitude. This man was so grateful, he shouted for joy. Can I ask you, when were you and I so grateful that we shouted for joy? Jesse's salvation. There was a hand going up at the back. Praise God. Jesse's salvation story, I think, is equally provocative for each of us in terms of gratitude. Because when it comes to knowing Jesus, if faith is the cause, gratitude is the effect. Just say that again. When it comes to knowing Jesus, if faith is the cause, gratitude is the effect. This man was so grateful and this is at the heart of our worship. To use Jesse's phraseology, we who were once consumed by sin have now been washed clean by Jesus. And just like that man whose, whose body was consumed by illness and was cleansed by Jesus, just like him, our right response, surely, is to fall down at the feet of the one who has rescued us. Our response, surely, our right response is to lift our voices, to bring adoration and praise and thanks, a shout of gratitude to him. The challenge today is for everyone in this room who already knows Jesus. How are we doing when it comes to gratitude. In Ephesians 5, verse 20, Paul writes this, Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul himself, he was clearly drenched in gratitude for what Christ had done for him. This is clear from what Martin spoke about last week from from Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul says this, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. You see, Paul found himself in terrible circumstances, suffering rejection and persecution and imprisonment, and yet his life overflows with worship and gratitude. There's an old-fashioned spiritual discipline of listing our blessings and naming them before God and then thanking Him. I think that's a healthy thing for Christians to do. Giving thanks for all sorts of things. I don't know, our, our food, our, the air we breathe, our, every note of music we hear, even from me our friendships, families. Sometimes, I think in our modern culture, we have this uh, belief, we assume we have the absolute right to health and happiness and every comfort in life. And so we, we sometimes, I believe, take for granted the provision of God. We can even, I believe, lose sight of the wonderful reality of our salvation and take for granted the incredible miracle of the fact that Christ has rescued us. And so, to conclude, I have three points of application and they are for three different categories of people today. And they do require a response. Let's close our eyes just for a moment. Could we all close our eyes? I'd love us to be focused on what is relevant to us. The first category of people are those who do not yet know Jesus. You are not sure of your faith. You are not sure that you're a Christian Today, I want to encourage you to follow in the footsteps of Jess. I want to encourage you that Jesus Christ can deal with your sin and your shame that he can deal with the guilt of your past, that he can deal with your hurt and your pain, that he can come and take control of your life, that he can give you a future and a hope, that you can experience God's overwhelming love and the certainty of salvation that Jess has so beautifully expressed So I want to encourage you that if you're not sure of your faith, if you're not 100% sure that you have a relationship with God, that you are not sure that when you die you will go to heaven, if you're not sure of your eternal life, that if you're not sure you've made a commitment to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you, please come to the front at the end of the meeting. Please come and speak to me. I'll go to speak to a member of the prayer prayer team. They're going to be standing at the front. We're going to be at the front you may say, I can't do that. I am too nervous. Can I say to you then, bring a friend. Bring someone who's who's sitting by you, who's brought you. Bring a friend if you're nervous. But let me say this to you. Don't leave here. Please, don't leave here without knowing Jesus. Let's just keep our eyes closed. The second category of people, I believe, are people who identify with those men who came to Jesus because you feel yourself in a situation of desperation. This fits very well with the prophetic words that came. Maybe it's because, like those men, you are suffering at the moment from some level of illness, or you know someone close to you who is. Maybe, like those men, you're feeling uh, a sense of isolation, or maybe something... Uh, Like those men, something has got twisted up. Leprosy caused bones and skin to become twisted. Sometimes our emotions or our, our, our thoughts can become twisted up. So for whatever reason, if you're identifying with these men, whatever reason it might be, I want to encourage you today to receive prayer. And so those are the categories of people that I'm really... Wanting us to think about knowing Jesus is sometimes about acting in faith. And the very end of this meeting, I'm going to give opportunity for people to come forward and make a response, a faith response. I want to encourage you to do that today. Let's open our eyes. The final category of people is quite wide. Dave sometimes says, Oh, Terry's altar calls are a little bit wide. You know, has anyone got a head? Or has anyone got a mother? Or has anyone got a pulse? You know, so. I realize that sometimes I do that. But this, this is, I'm not pretending, this is a very wide category in the context of where we are this morning. This category of people would be anyone in this room who would call themselves a Christian. It includes me, it includes many of you, praise God, it includes Jess. I want to encourage us and I want to challenge us today in regard to this one area of gratitude. Gratitude. And so with that in mind, I want us to stand together right now. Thought my mic had gone off then. I want us to stand together. I'm going to ask Helen and the team to come back because we are going to give thanks to God. I want to ask Helen to come and lead us. And I want us to lift our voices, to bring a loud shout of praise to the one who has saved us. So we're going to worship Him together. As my Helen said, let's hold up the standard. Let's raise our voices together as we worship Him now. And then I'm just going to come back after that, and then I'm going to give opportunity for individual people to bravely respond in faith this morning. I'll just remind you of the categories after we've worshiped together. So let's first of all worship Jesus together.